my spidey senses tingling. Really big show. Special shout out to all of our listeners that are fathers tonight. Happy Father's Day. And the mother of all fathers, uh, our executive producer, uh, he's Slim. He's the host of the Paper Keg Podcast, episode 156. Welcome to the show. Uh, paperkeg.com. Yeah, this is a podcast with fathers that talks about comic books. And we do a book club. We went to the history books. Frank Miller. Sin City, The Hard Goodbye. A really big show, possibly the biggest show we've ever done in history, inarguably. Um, let's introduce the hosts of the show. You know, this is the first time you're listening. Maybe you found us on the What's Hot category on iTunes, because we're there right now. Spoilers. Oh. Uh, one host with us this evening just came back from a long trip. Uh, texted us during the trip, I've contracted malaria. <laughs> Jonesy loves beer. You're unpublished. Almost died uh, without publishing a work ever. So that would have been unfortunate. But welcome back. Uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, when the subject of malaria was introduced to this fine Virginia doctor, he shrugged and said, it's probably not malaria. So I'll probably live for the rest of the week. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Happy Father's Day to Jonesy for surviving. Hello, darkness, my old How do you even contract malaria? We'll get into it, maybe. Who has the time to talk about Jonesy's health? We'll forget by the end Jonesy of the show. you'll be dead by Actually, the end of the show. Actually, if you just check all of the uh, show announcements, you'll probably find a blurb weekly about how my deteriorating health. <laughs> he probably has his... He probably has his right pant leg just rolled up because it's his legs probably not even there. So it's just rolled up just in like safety pin. Imagine closed. Doc Brass with his little walker and issue three or four of Planetary just scooting down the hallway, just wanting to live. The show is dedicated to Jonesy's left leg. Wish it were still with us. Uh, <laughs> final host. Gnarled asparagus, Dale is quoted as saying. <laughs> Final host, uh, Fave Phenom, he went to a Monster Jam today with his family and saw Bigfoot was there in all his glory. Uh, welcome, Dale underscore A. He was in all of his uh, corporate sponsored by Odyssey Batteries Glory. Uh, they luckily left enough space at the tail end of the truck to say Bigfoot and about a 12 by 4 inch placard over the wheel well god Could bless you even tell that it was old. blue or that's horrifying when i saw that photo that, such a shame that and that's the original i mean they go on to say that's the original that's the real deal franchise bigfoot and now 
you got these up up and comer trucks, you know, trying to make a make the name toxic in the toxic uh, uh, DXP hailing from Lancaster County, PA. What does the DXP stand for? It stands for, or or it could be XDB, which I think it, the X is like uh, for cross or two DP diesel powered. It's the only diesel powered truck uh, in competition wow. today. I tell you, it was something to say. Um, something to say. Maybe maybe DXP will be at the Paper Keg Meetup, July nineteenth. Who knows? Corporate sponsor of Bigfoot Paper hey. Keg. Wonder how, how much that batteries. costs. Uh, July 19th, third ever paper keg meetup, essentially where the three of us go to Barcade in Philadelphia mm-hmm. and we just drink until Dale is forced to go home whenever that is. And then I just drink until I don't know what's happening anymore. And you're, I get carried home. You're getting tugged around with fingers in your belt loops, just kind of tugging you along. Right. We took a selfie, and you probably didn't even know what happened last year. That's no, I don't how, remember that. That's how no. plastered you were. Listen. I think you were wearing a black v-neck, though. I absolutely was. I absolutely Some was. Some sort of slim-fitting jeans, as they call them. You know, people were just handing me glass containers of liquor, mm-hmm. and I would be, uh, it would be uncouth of me to, to reject it, so I had to drink it. Well, this just in, Slim does Long Islands as shots. Oh, my God. So please line them up <laughs> July 19th. Be, be prepared to talk comics. Be prepared to troll at Inherited Comics on Vine. Because <laughs> that can happen. Anything can happen on these paper cake meetups. Uh, the writer and artist of Inherited will be there uh, signing their uh, deli stack what is the, of photocopied comics. What is the T-minus day count since the Inherited Twitter account first tweeted, we could just be... Days away from an. If it reaches a thousand days, I'm going to have to do some sort of meetup, some celebration. Please search Inherited Comic on Twitter, and you will find Jonesy's unpublished work still in progress. Um, I think I think they were so excited at the time that they sponsored Bigfoot. So there is an Inherited <laughs> Comic Bigfoot out there, and nothing to show for it. Uh, we also should mention our fancy new. Uh, podcast artwork gracing this episode, our iTunes website uh, from our dear friend Catcher, who really just knocked it out of the park, flat out. I mean, once we once we laid eyes on that logo, we knew it was the one. We were yeah. kicking off a- an event, you know. Yeah, the yeah. artwork is an event in and of itself. Jonesy had Jonesy was shocked. He woke up one morning, whatever it was. He saw the announcement. You it liked was it. Iconic. He was. I would say it's iconic. Jonesy was so enthralled with that artwork work on his phone. He didn't bother to swat any mosquito off that was sucking his blood at the time. <laughs> <laughs> he was just in love. I said, "Go ahead, little buddy. Take a little. Take a little drink. What could happen? How bad could it be? What could be the worst to happen. <laughs> did you not feel like any bites or anything while you were on vacation, or did you just chalk you know, it up as something normal? In the swamplands of Georgia, you just uh, you get bitten like every third minute. I saw so you your Instagram. You it didn't look to... Georgia didn't look swampy. It looked like you were on some lush beach. I had no. The time I had the no life. mosquito filter on Instagram. 
So I don't know what kind actually, of... Actually, it was one of the greatest trips I've ever taken, <laughs> despite the malaria. Oh, my. Despite well, your weeping open leg that you have to bleed out. I mean, I did. And I, it was gross. I'm not going to lie. The thought did cross my mind. I was ready to text Dale out of our group chat and ask him, you know, who we who we going to get as a possible <laughs> third host if Jonesy dies? Not can we take care of his child, make sure his <laughs> wife and son are supported, but who will come to host Listen, the third seat? Listen, we're running out of time. We've spent well too much time on Jonesy's health status. Sure. As we More than that do. Virginia doctor, I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, we need to get into the comics that we read. Later in the show, we will get into Frank Miller's Sin City, The Hard Goodbye. Mm. Amazing. That segment mm. will be. Uh, Dale underscore A. Bigfoot connoisseur. Mm. Uh, no grave digger. But... Yeah. No grave digger. What did you read this week, please? Which I think we can all agree that when once grave digger hit the scene, I mean, he was somebody to be reckoned with. He shook up the business of monster trucking for the next 25, 30 years. No doubt least, in my mind. Maybe 40. We'll see. Next thing we know, grave digger's being sponsored by, uh, you know, some... DXP? DXP, Cummins Diesel, Twin <laughs> Exhaust... Twin Turbo. I read The Fuse, number four, by the uh, the same creative team as Wasteland. Mm. I believe I talked about The Fuse, number one, at a certain point. And The Fuse is a floating satellite that is essentially a power plant for other satellites in the galaxy. People choose to live there, and they're uh, just like any neighborhood any city or place there's a you know ghetto type places and there's upper echelon places to live and two night shift detectives are investigating a murder that happened um to a a cabler as they call it and these are homeless folks who have been living in the walls and the conduit for so long they are not registered Whereas everybody else on the fuse has been registered because uh, you know they need order in that place, and uh, th- starting to come out that there are uh, sh- very, very close ties to the mayor of the fuse who is up for re-election, and uh, things are getting hot. Some of the mayor's staff is looking to be maybe held accountable or maybe fallen victim to whatever they're investigating, and maybe one or two die. Spoilers. Whoa. But um, another, this has been a solid arc so far, arc so far and uh, it's, it's cool to have this detective work against this sci-fi background, and the, the art and the colors on this thing just do wonders for the story, and it's been very, very great so far. It's one of my favorite books out right now. Wow, high praise. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. It's nice and it's monthly. And, uh, you know, you, you it's it's kind of like, ha- it's just coming quick enough to where I'm not feeling overwhelmed. I don't feel like I have to keep on top of it. It just, it just arrives Wednesday morning. And uh, it's right there, ready to be downloaded to my iPad. Beautiful I want to pause for a moment and welcome our fourth host, Jonesy's vibrating iPhone. <laughs> 
Uh, really, I actually just tried to move it off the table. Really Jersey happy for to calling have me it. out on it. Jonesy, is it the hospital system texting you to tell you to get to a hospital? Because <laughs> I've never. Maybe if there was, maybe if my job was blowing up and all my servers are going down, I'm getting that many emails. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, uh, hashtag the flap. What really helped my stress level out is to not even use vibrate. At the wow. at the house, I have silent on. Really? Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I look at my phone a lot still, but <laughs> I don't peek at it when something happens. I peek at and it. It's got to be euphoric though to be able to go like walk out of the room and not have that chime. Yeah. You know, have your racing back. I don't in. even put the sound on my phone ever. If I turn it turn it on, I it's just vibrate only. Do you even know what your ringtone is set at no, right now? I don't, Jonesy. And that's what makes what me feel good. What a way to live. You know, makes what a way feel to good. Live. Um, real heroes, Brian Hitch, Image Comics. You heard of this guy, Brian Hitch? Heard of him. Did a little book called Ultimates, uh, one of Gen Z's top, top two books mm-hmm. of all time, I think. Ultimates Volume 1. Uh, <laughs> I remember where I was just yesterday. I'm going to have yeah. to edit out that sigh. That was a little <laughs> scandalous. <laughs> real what? heroes. Uh, not only Brian Hitch doing art, but he's also writing. So oh. this, you can kind of approach this as a Mark Miller, Brian Hitch, John, because it has that pitch. And the pitch is, imagine the cast of Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, at the premiere. And Ultron shows up as a prop from the movie. So they're all like, oh man, this is awesome. Look at Ultron. They got here wheeling him out. Mm-hmm. Ultron goes ape-ass and murders <laughs> half the city. And so they're scurried away into some kind of Avengers to Age of Ultron, you know, room. And it turns out they're transported into the universe that the movie is set in. So they're transported into kind of what you could think of as the Marvel universe. And someone has brought them there because the actual heroes are dead and they need you. Wow. Wow. That's like the best way that the last action hero could have been. And it reminded me, like, after I read it and I was explaining it to somebody, um, but it's it reminded only a me. Movie. It reminded me of Galaxy Quest a little bit too. That kind of that that plot. Oh, great yeah. movie. Great movie. Um, it was a li- there's like Hitch's art can be like some of the most amazing stuff ever, and there's some really great panels. Plus, it's just awesome to see him drawing. You know, superheroes going through walls with Hulkish characters because it starts out in the movie scene like you, the book starts out with the this character the olympian fighting someone that looks like the hulk during september 11th or like the buildings are falling i was like oh god what is going on here i'm not really inter- interested in this and then they pull back and they realize the the actors are watching the premiere of their movie hmm. and um it it was it was really good i was actually really surprised it's totally under the radar and i'm not sure why because brian hitch is like a legend I feel like more people should be talking about Brian Hitch writing and drawing his own creator-owned book. I think you're absolutely right about that. I and did that, is that new this week? Um, issue three came out maybe two weeks mm. ago. I just decided to read issue one, and I'm totally victim of it too. It, yeah. Brian Hitch drawing his own book and writing it, and I didn't even bother to read it until now. Um, it's a little wordy. There's like when you open when I turn to a new page on my iPad, I'm kind of like, whoa, that's a lot of bubbles with text. 
And so I just kind of chalked mm-hmm. it up to like, ah, it's Brian Hitch writing his first book, whatever. Um, it, took you, but, it took you a couple train rides to get to one <laughs> yeah. book. But the, it, he does have that thing where he's drawing, you know, Chris Pine as the Olympian. Um, oh, wow. You can see his face. Like the first page shows the actors. And there's like an RDJ character. Um, but there's a weird thing. Like he draws him to look like Chris Pine in one opening shot, but that's like the last time you really see him as Chris Pine. It's a weird thing that happens in the course of the art, but I mean, it's it's Brian Hitch art drawing kind of a sort of Ultimates book. So I really I really dig it. I'm gonna have to pick it up now. You just you just hit all my buttons, all my wow factors. Uh, I'm all for the wow factor. That's what it's all about. Um, Jonesy, thanks for being alive. Mm. Uh, yeah, first of all, for now. for now, I don't even know if you'll make it to Paper Keg Meetup 3. Facebook event coming I'll maybe by it. this post. <laughs> Jonesy's not even on Facebook, so he won't even be able to accept the invite. Yeah, I don't, you know, crap. that has just made my life so streamlined, not getting any kind of invitation. Well, who cares? Anything. Because you still get your phone vibrates every 30 seconds. So what's the point? <laughs> it's not really taking any stress out of your life whatsoever. Uh, what did you sugar. read this week? I want to talk about Jim Zub's latest offering, uh, Figment, issue number one, uh, Marvel Comics in the Disney universe. Mm. I surmise that they're starting to sculpt out. Uh, tells the story of Blair Mercurial, a kind of Victorian, half-magician, half-scientist. Think um, the time machine. You know, he's a he's a tinkerer. He's He's trying to come up with... Uh, allegedly, he's supposed to be coming up with a new power source. So, you know, I guess this is a pre-gasoline society where people are trying to develop the next wave of big power. Uh, of course, Blair is is the street urchin, kind of given the dream that Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, given the golden ticket, and he's using it to power uh, devices with the mind. So his his idea is just through brainwaves and thinking, he can generate electricity. So after a failed experiment uh, where he basically gets lambasted by his boss, uh, he goes back to the drawing board and develops a device that, instead of powering uh, devices with the mind, uses the mind's energy to fabricate things out of the imagination. So uh, Mercurial conjures his childhood imaginary friend is like a stout uh, purple dragon who takes the name Figment as uh, the title suggests. And then the boss character uh, you know kind of getting wise I can't remember his name I apologize kind of getting wise to what he's up to uh, in a scene a la Ghostbusters where he's telling him to shut the, the, the containment field down um, Mercurial and Figment are sucked back into the imaginary world that he himself created so it's uh it's very Jim Zub. In fact, that it has a lot of tongue in cheek moments, uh, is delightfully funny while still taking the source material seriously, and is the jumping off point of a big adventure. So I think we're going to see a lot of big things come from Figment, and I really like to see it as kind of the guide to this new Marvel Disney universe they're creating. Because I have I have a sinking feeling that it's going to be he's going to be transported into the Disney universe. And he's going to kind of be the everyman that's kind of going to show us the different areas of that. 
So I'm looking forward to it. Hmm. I know uh, the similar property. Um, what's what's the game where the guy's got the key? And it's a Disney property. Anyone? Kingdom Hearts? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That was big uh, for Disney and bringing in a lot of other genres in. So hopefully this will be the comic version of that. So I'm looking forward to it. Wow. People would kill people over Kingdom Hearts. That game. They sure would. Yeah. I think Jonesy or uh, Dale might have killed a few men over Kingdom Hearts way back when. <laughs> with a big cardboard key. <laughs> I, I was I was more obsessed with the thought of Kingdom Hearts, but the two hours total I've ever played of the games was enough that you know I, I didn't have time for that. You know, you, you still playing? You have uh, to go back. You still playing Skyrim right now? I still play Skyrim. Yeah, I still go back to it. You know, old love of mine. What are, what are the nice. things you like jump into Skyrim and, and are able to play like once every few weeks? Like what is that world like? You're just like moseying around, meeting people, selling herbs. Selling herbs. You know, you know, mosey, yeah, moseying around, completing quests. Fur trapper. Com- completing quests in my quest log or getting new quests or just exploring. Hmm. You know, it's, it's literally an unlimited amount of things to do. Especially for my limited amount of time. Yeah. I made I made my first pitch to get an Xbox One uh yesterday with my wife. How'd it go? You know, it's it's gonna be a long road. Did you and did I, you I put the you ad by my side? Did you like stick the ad in between like her uh Woman's Day magazine so when she opened up her Well no, we went uh my Father's Day gift was buying my wife a head unit for her car so that we could nice. listen to um, actual music instead of the tripe that New Jersey spins Wait, out on a daily your basis. Father's Day gift was you installing a head unit in your wife's car? Well, I didn't install it, but I we right. we bought it. Right. You know, that was that was that was my gift. To that her. was I, uh, probably, that was that could have been nearly the price, at least half an Xbox there. I mean, it absolutely was. You know, I can confirm <laughs> the cost that I signed under. You know, and Slim is a good father. I mean, it's not like he's undeserving. Oh, an she's not. One. She's not listening to this. So oh, she all doesn't, right. She doesn't even want to be in my, the same apartment as this being recorded. <laughs> my surgical strike of a retweet uh, awarded me no points. She saw those. An I saw one. her looking at those faves, and she shook her head in disgust. <laughs> uh, we're we're running out of tape. We need to get to the lightning round. Dale underscore A, mm. uh, the most popular segment in show history. Please, Cyclops number two, Greg Rucka. I would have never expected me to read a second issue of Cyclops, standalone miniseries. But alas, I have, and Greg Rucka has crafted a, a great plot, and you should check it out because it's amazing. You know who's a big fan of that book? Friend of the show, Bex Gordo. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Bex. Uh, you, I hope you didn't say that loud too now, because right just now, because she's got a massive hangover today. <laughs> massive hangover. What is she in she the might, other room? Are you even, giving her water and and a leave? <laughs> she is might she be okay? Dead. She might be dead. She might be dead. Uh, R.I.P. Bex Gordo. Zero issue one, which was a recommendation for our book club. I cannot wait for this book to be a book club and we can talk about it. <laughs> Period. End sentence. 
Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, issue number two. Shang-Chi's Mission of Vengeance continues. The writing is so good, I didn't destroy my iPad at the appearance of Misty Knight and Colleen Wing. Misty Knight, huh? <laughs> How about when Misty Knight and, uh, Dare- and Matt Murdock get it on at the, in the last issue of... Spoilers. Daredevil Dark Knights. Mm. Oh. Man. They're down in Miami. Welcome to Miami. Uh, <laughs> I forget the words. Sin City, <laughs> The Hard Goodbye by Frank Miller. Uh, originally serialized in what I believe was uh, Dark Horse Presents, perhaps? That's correct. Uh, so this was the this was the first volume. What eventually was collected into a volume of the Sin City Saga, which became you know Robert Rodriguez movie. <laughs> uh, Jonesy loves beer. Can you walk us through what is Sin City to those that have never read it or seen a movie in their life? I'm gonna try to keep this tight. Because I could probably ramble on quite a bit uh, with the plot of this story. So in the dregs of Basin City, you know, named Sin City, the, the titular environment where this takes place, uh, Marv, a ex-convict, quasi-superpowered possibly, thug, has a one-night stand with a hooker named Goldie. Mm. And being a gnarled, uh, like my... Poor leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, man of, of strength and violence. Uh, this is his first love. You know, one night he's in love. And while the, whilst asleep together, intoxicated, uh, like our dear friend Bex, uh, Goldie is murdered by someone he doesn't know who. So framed for the job, uh, Marv takes out a bunch of cops and goes hot on the trail of revenge to find out who killed his dear Goldie. Uh, it takes him through the darkest dungeons of villainy in Sin City and atop the highest criminal uh, powers, uh, especially the man named Rourke, the archbishop who pulls the strings of the the criminal life in Sin City. And he is finally able to get his revenge at the ultimate cost. <laughs> Marv, the hard goodbye... Sin City, Volume One. There you go. There you have there it. There you have it. That's it. I have one of those. Like, I guess when the movie, right before the movie came out, or soon before the movie was announced, they started collecting the volumes in like that white cover digest size. Oh, those like red covered yeah, trades. Yeah, they were really a weird size. I think they weren't like a full size comic. Mm-mm. Um. But that was the last time I read it. Whenever those were printed, that was the last time I read the volumes. And I didn't really absorb any of it because I barely remembered any of this stuff. The only thing I remember when I was reading was what the movie scenes were like. And I mm. haven't seen that movie in a few years. So it was weird reading it, having the last thing I remember about the book being the movie. I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, what jumped to my mind uh, the most was... Uh, and it happened quite a bit in the volume, how much uh, dialogue is directly lifted and adapted from the page 
right into the movie. And it was enough times where, you know, there were turns of phrases where he would be like, nice coat, or this, you know, this, that, and the third. I was like, wow, that was in the film. And you generally don't see that in a comic book movie adaptation. But I think that's the... I, don't get me wrong. The film I think is is credited as co-directed by Frank Miller. Yeah, right. So I'm I'm guessing he had direct input in the film, and with the exception of a few things like Marv's mother, uh, it's really closely adapted to the screen. And I think which is great because if you really want to watch a movie and go read the source material, to have it that close, yeah. Is pretty great for new readers to want to continue reading. Yeah, I think there's sometimes a stigma with superhero movies in particular where you're going to read Batman, you know, by Tim Burton, and you're going to read a Batman comic book like, well, the Joker is Jack Napier, right? He killed his parents, and, and isn't that what I'm reading? And then why is this Joker, why does he have no idea who this guy is? So for Sin City to be that close, I think it's very ingenuous for new readers. Yeah, the <clears throat> the biggest trouble I had, I mean, if you if you saw Sin City the movie, you read The Hard Goodbye. And there's I mean, there's nothing that is left. <clears throat> but the the hardest time I had was remembering um the other vignettes from the movie and yeah, the other stories or the other yeah. books, and and not and either putting them in this book in my head or vice versa. Like, and then it all came back to me. Like when he goes down to, uh, I don't know the the old part of town where all the where the the hookers run things. Mm-hmm. I I forgot that that was in that story in the movie and the and and the book too. But it, then it all kind of came back to me. I mean, it's it I mean, it's really good. I felt like. I, it's weird. It's either I felt like I didn't need to read it, or I don't need to see the movie Sin City. I mean, it was that. Hmm. It was that close. It, it was cool to read. I mean, and Frank Miller's art in this. It's it's all Frank Miller, but it's great and great use of black and white, like the way it is, and shadows and stuff like that. I mean, it was really great. And I love the story, but it was to talk about. It's hard to just talk about the book when you've seen the movie. Yeah. And to draw the comparisons that they're nearly identical to each other. I mean, I thought what Frank Miller... I felt like there was a big jump in what he wanted to do artistically from the first chapter and what came after. Like, the style of Marv felt more realistic in the first chapter, and he didn't really have that kind of... Um, L-shaped nose in some of the panels in the beginning, but like as soon as you progress, and I don't know what the time lapse was for when it was published, because Dark Horse presents isn't that like quarterly or something, or it's not. I don't. Maybe it was monthly at some time, but I don't remember. Um, but the, you, I felt like the style changed a lot, and super experimental for all I know. But the black and white stuff was amazing. I thought that was it. It like reminded me that Frank Miller was like you know the master class in storytelling and art. And I saw that in all those panels of the black and white. I mean, and this comes back to my comments about Raphael Grandpa. Like you're just, this is the stuff you don't see in 90% of the monthly comics being produced right now. And there's probably a reason why, but this stuff was just so refreshing to see. And I I tried to put the movie out of my mind because maybe that not dampens the 
awe of this book because I've mm-hmm. seen it on the screen, but I try to just remember that, you know, this stuff wasn't being made in a, in a regular basis and hasn't been since in comic books. This is, it's just amazing what he was doing. And I felt like as the chapters progressed, he tried to do different things with the black and white. Like he almost changed his own style as the series went on, kind of like how you would see a different inker coming onto a book and some of the later, like early on, it was just really cool silhouette black and white. But then later on, you know, when you see the, the serial killer scenes, like you're seeing black and white stuff that doesn't make sense. Like Mm -hmm. this black and white scenario is impossible. You know, seeing someone's face, you know, in the black background, the barn, stuff like that. Like he, he, he took it to a fantastical level as the, as the book went on, I felt. Yeah. I wonder if he, you know, since he, like you said, he was writing it for Dark Horse Presents. He just, I wonder if he was conscious that he was doing that or if he was just taking, taking a chance on doing what came to his mind, doing what he came to his mind. Yeah. But yeah, to, like you said, to put the movie out of your mind, because as much as the the story in the movie is the hard goodbye on paper, the movie is, it's a, it's a unique look, has a unique look to it, but it is just Mickey Rourke with like black light tape on his face. It's not, the black blacks of the book it's like you know it's still black and white with gray whereas the 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 art in the book is just stunning stuff absolutely stunning and the world building he does with with basin city it's like it's, God, it's, it's really like gotham cool. should just be eradicated from the planet <laughs> yeah it really should be it just sounds <laughs> terrible it sounds like a terrible place <laughs> But Marv, it was cool that, it was just cool that there was this hard-boiled love story, and Marv, he's a, just a story alone, he's just a simple guy who had the best night of his life because he knows he's an ugly man, and he's very rough around the edges, and he doesn't get paid attention to, but it doesn't matter what Goldie was after, you know, she was just going to use him for the muscle, she gave him something that he'd never had before. And he, I mean, he was sprung as I would say in 1998. Who, who played the, um, female cop in the movie? That wasn't Rosaria uh, Dawson. Was was Carla, no. Carla Gugino. Carla Gugino? Who nope. did Rosaria Dawson play in the movie? She played, uh, she was the Clive Owens hooker mm. goddess. Do you remember her in, um, the other guys? She played Will Ferrell's wife. Oh yeah! My gosh, Rosario. and uh, Marky Mark was all over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> get out! You look terrible. I mean, one of the one of the sexiest women in movie history. Yeah, Rosario Dawson, right yeah. there. Goodness she's... me! But that female character, I mean, he, the way he drew her. I mean, her first appearance, the the cop, the lesbian cop that he couldn't like believe that she was not into men and he that was the only mm-hmm. thing he always thought about when he was with her he had the, she had all the right hardware i'll tell you describe <laughs> right um man she was just stunning the way that uh, frank miller introduced her and you get that like impression of what kind of a, a character she is right off the bat you know she hears something she's just walking around in the buff doesn't give a crap gets her gun 
mm-hmm. and like immediately right off the bat, you can tell she doesn't mess around. She's right into business, and she doesn't have time to do anything else. And, it's and she just, could snap your neck in a it's minute. It's just great character building because she's his parole officer, and she's supporting him, and she's taking her girlfriend's drugs to give him to keep him calm. It's just, it was just great. It's just great character building. And he said, I mean, this is 1991, 1992 when it's coming out. And it just, it just was great. And, you know, I guess indie, it was indie about it. But right off the bat, he's like, he just describes her as being a, you know, D-Y-K-E. I don't even know if I could say that without (laughs) sounding (laughs) offensive. But he's just like, he's, she's a D-Y-K-E parole officer. I don't understand what she doesn't see in a man, but it it was just it was just great character building for the, in Sin City. It was really, really great. Jonesy, you've been really quiet this entire segment. I don't know what's what's happening here. I, I think, well, back to Dale's point, I have a hard time separating this from the film, and I don't want all my comments to be the movie, the movie, the movie. Especially Carla Giugino's boobs, am I right? I mean, <laughs> well. No you, mean, you mean B-O-O-B-S. No <laughs> yeah, I don't know yeah, if I don't want to sound offensive. Uh, I, w- I will say this, though. The story is so well plotted. And one thing I enjoy, and, and Frank Miller's one of his specialties, is telling that story that happens one, in one night kind of tales. And I'm really drawn to those. Because in regular comics, and probably because this was a Presents, where he had to tell the story quickly... Uh, I love a revenge story, and I also love something that's that takes place in like one day. Kind of reminds me of Mel Gibson's Payback, where it wasn't like he was in town for weeks to get revenge. It was like A to B to C to D, and you had a real sense of ending by the time that um, uh, the hard goodbye uh, eventually wraps up. And Sin City is part of this big universe, and and the movie drink. Uh, really shows us the all those interconnections of the minor characters. But I feel that this stands alone in a regard from the later volumes. And, and maybe it's because when he knew Sin City was going to continue, he really tried to pepper the book with the reoccurring characters. But I think he could have written the hard goodbye and ended Sin City, and you would still get the magic that comes in the later volumes. Because his every bit of the building bricks of this universe is presented here in the first volume. And I, I can't think of a lot of books that accomplish that uh, in the same way he does. Yeah. And movie, it, movie, movie, movie. <laughs> and I, I, I think I was lucky in that I l- couldn't remember barely any details from the plot. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. for the few people that have never read it, you know, he goes on that revenge hunt to see who killed this, woman that gave him the night of his life which in a kind of a interesting moment where he finds out that she was a prostitute like halfway through the book he didn't realize that she he just thought she was just some you know woman that wanted to spend the night with him um he finds out that you know there's this the basin city is so corrupt and it whoever was in charge of the hit is so high up that just mentioning the name people like poop in their panties and you find out that uh, Rourke is the like essentially the cardinal mm-hmm. for this for this town. He's the most powerful man in the city, and he, and then you also find um, I don't know what I felt about the twin sister stuff. Like I, I don't like. It just seems very Frank Millerish, though. Yeah, 
it it was I don't know it 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 didn't she didn't need to be there no like at all it could have mm-hmm. been just Goldie he could have been just run you know taking this revenge mission all the way up the flagpole but the payoff is when he's wasting in jail and she comes in and says you can call me Goldie and mm-hmm. the, and he gets another night like the one he had like i just it was really cool payoff for marv because i mean it was really cool because he's i mean he's willing once he finds out how high up this goes and he's still willing to go through with the trouble of revenge for goldie and he kills the cardinal he kills the cardinal's you know uh cannibalistic silent serial killer i mean he kills Karate he kills master. a lot of people but he doesn't die <laughs> like he was he would have been just fine if he was murdered and killed on the spot when he when they found him killing the cardinal but he they revived him they cleaned him up they brought him back to life let him sit in a hospital before they put him in jail on death row and it was just really cool because other than the he got the revenge but then he got to spend another night with goldie i think mm-hmm. i think that was really i just i thought that was really great Dale, I want to talk about one scene you just mentioned that was really an emotional high point for me is when he eventually works his way up to Rourke. Um, Rourke confesses to him that not only did he mentor Kevin into the monster that he is, but he took place in the cannibalism. And I think he surreptitiously mentions that it was women, children, whoever they could get a hold of. Uh, you know, young girl prostitutes that have been horribly damaged already. And you're in your mind, you're like, Marv, do it. This is the worst kind of evil on the planet. You got to do it. And that was such a thrilling, suspenseful scene that it's I can't believe it evoked that kind of emotions, knowing that I read it before mm-hmm. and seen it before. And that's a real credit to Frank Miller's talent as a writer and telling the medium uh, via art that I was still so invested in seeing this character get his comeuppance. Yeah. Uh, that that scene in the tower where Marv is like, I'm the only person in this town that can touch you. I'm not politically motivated. I have no ties to anyone. I'm just going to do it because you're a bastard. Uh, I mean, it's still an emotional poignant moment after all mm-hmm. this time and, and, and seeing the story so often. So that's my hats off to Frank Miller for still writing such a great scene that, that resonates. Which you just reminded me, but I I just I'm a little confused overall because Goldie was murdered in Marv's bed. Yes. Now Mar- Marv was intoxicated. No. And we they established that Kevin can move silently. But why was Goldie murdered? Where was Kevin going back for Goldie to eat her after Marv left? My, how I put it together was that uh, Goldie was working the clergy as a prostitute, and whether by hearsay or gossip or direct witness, you know, maybe he saw Kevin take a prostitute and kind of put the pieces together that he was oh, yeah. killing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah she was right. getting so, wise to the scheme. That's yeah, right. So I forgot. She became a target to silence. I didn't know, and then I figured it out, and then I forgot again. <laughs> so <laughs> You could cut all that out of the show if you'd like. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's only been a few years since Jonesy read uh, The Hard Goodbye anyway. <laughs> 
I love the uh, the electrocution scenes too, where there's it's just like the skull wearing the the headpiece getting electri- electrified. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I actually I couldn't remember reading um, like when the movie came out. Like I I didn't realize or wasn't even sure that he really did die at the end of this. Like when they were when they were talking about other Sin City movies, I was like, well, was Marv gonna be in them? Like I thought he was the only character in Sin City, like the the only protagonist that was worth caring about. Mm-hmm. Who was the the other guy? Bruce Willis Hardigan. Does he die? I at the end they of all, that yellow bastard. I assume they all die. I can't remember if he does. Terrible or not. deaths. I th- I think he's got to. Well, what's the second movie? What books does that cover? Because that's like sounds like it's done. Finally, a dame to kill for. I think. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Which is sure. which is interesting that they chose to go back and I'm, I'm assuming a dame to kill for is just one volume of Sin City, whereas the 2005 movie was like three or four different volumes of Sin, Sin City, right? Yeah, because I, mean, I guess this yeah. one maybe didn't wasn't enough for a full movie. The, uh, mm. the this storyline, I guess, yeah. maybe I don't know. I wonder how many pages the other ones are, because this one was like two hundred pages. I think that yellow bastard is similar. It's very succinct. Well, plus this one is kind of there's a lot of pages that are just kind of Frank Miller stretching his art muscles on like yeah. splash pages that are just phenomenal mm-hmm. looking. You know, yeah. full page spreads of some one thing happening. You know, I, I really want to get that digest co- uh, collection. I think that might read the best hmm. versus a full size co- uh, full size comic, especially since the story is so snappy. It's a very quick read. Big, uh, you know, throw a digest into a backpack. You know what I mean? Pull yeah, it out, walk, read it. You're wearing a backpack all the time. You know, yeah. when you're it's, it carries the, the remains of my terrible egg, Georgia. You know, when you have the hatchet and you're swinging down branches that are in your way. Actually, when I build my little crosswords uh, crossroads box. Uh, a little Sin City digest being there as an offering to the Crossroads demon to restore my battered and tattered leg to full use. <laughs> Your hair is out of sight tonight. Thank you. It's like four inches off your head. <laughs> Just like you straight know, up into the air. I've never seen anything day. like it. He really went it's up. It's called Lift. Like you know, it, it was big in the 80s. <laughs> and it, the worst part is but I'm so pale, I can't even see my blonde beard that I grew No, I can't. Week. It just... It it's my actually, neon skin just burns right through. I think it's burning the laptop screen that I'm looking at right now. <laughs> There's burn in happening. <laughs> for the uh, you need to adjust your screensaver. Just for the uh, you know, just throw it out there for the hardcover enthusiast and all of us. Uh, big damn Sin City omnibus coming out in another month or so. Ooh, big how damn! Much is that? How much is that running? I, th- I think it's like seventy five on Amazon. Spoilers. How many pages? You how many think pages? it's 75 on Amazon. Is that like one of those 3,000 page ones where if you try to open it, your whole family dies? Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if it's JSA. Have you equivalent. since checked the foundation of your house to make sure that JSA volume is done the size, damage? the seismograph tester over there? I'm getting the, it's only 59 bucks. Oh, my God. I might, yeah, I don't drop it. it You'll rattle the walls. I might order it live on the air. We're going to get the uh, lady get who the is... sock uh, with rubber bands ready, per Jonesy. <laughs> 1,360 pages. And kerosene. Goodness. Don't forget the kerosene. <laughs> Good grief. Why don't you think about that when you're giving yourself rug burn with like, rubber banding a sock to yourself <laughs> and rubbing vigorously. <laughs> I can't believe you wouldn't I mean, say D-Y-K-E, but you would absolutely <laughs> hit swing for the fences with...
Russian joke. <laughs> Never said that word, though. No I mean, balance. I might have to edit that out, Jonesy. You went above <laughs> oh, and beyond. Gosh, I know. <laughs> what, in your right mind, where is it okay to say that word, the M word? Oh, you show. know what? Both of you. You might as well just said ES and die to the whole world <laughs> just now. Sin City, The Hard Goodbye. Great book. We got your letters. I'm gonna open them up. Farrington's gonna read them to you. We gotta get a new sounder, guys. I mean, now it the took art- four hours to record that with Jonesy. That one file. <laughs> Sorry. And that was the best of the offering. It was. Dale, you're up. You gotta do the sounders now. But now that the, uh, I mean, now that the, we're not, the artwork has been retired with. Any uh-huh. trace of Mark Farrington, rest in peace. May, may God treasure your soul. Letters <laughs> at paperkeg.com. You want to shoot us an email. We might have time to read it on the air. Absolutely. Uh, first letter up comes from friend of the show, Roy Codgel III. Uh, looking good, guys. Your hard work is very appreciated. Keep up the great work. Other platitudes that don't equal up to more money in your pockets. Love you, Roy. Ooh. Brutal, but true. Thanks, Roy. Yeah, uh, I mean, hey, thanks for taking the time out to email us, man. Absolutely. Love Roy. I think he, at one point, held the, he was on the the King of the Hill chair for best letter at one time. Mm. I, oh, was, yeah. He was dethroned. Yeah. Next time, Roy, you'll get him. <laughs> uh, our next letter comes to us from dear friend, close friend of the show, Jim Lind. Oh, you're... You can find him at Jim Lind for Pope on the Twitter. At one time, uh, your arch nemesis. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, you're we've turned the tables of friendship. Yeah. I don't know what happened. I don't know when it happened. The troll butter but would be lathered all over your face when he used to mm. email him. Like George's sunburn. Uh, I know Slim hates any book larger than a standard Like TPB. raw skin from under a sock <laughs> that was rubber banded around. <laughs> Gnarled asparagus. Sensitive skin. Uh, <laughs> but have any of you seen the artist edition books? Maybe you already covered the topic, but I've fallen behind now that you started with your Echo Risk schedule. <laughs> I know the t- Twitter sphere blew up with love with the New Gods artist edition, but that was outside my wallet sphere. I did pick up the pen and ink version of Boom's Dayman and was really impressed. Seeing the art printed at full size black and white allows you to really appreciate it. Allowing me to focus on each panel individually is one of the reasons I like Guide of You in the old digital comic experience. Here's to tapping the brakes <laughs> at Jim Lynn for Pope. My word. Man, one one extra episode a month, and we've crossed into the Echo Riff schedule. <laughs> I guess. Just imagine what Jim Lynn's reaction is going to be when we hit, I can't even talk about it, July. Can't even divulge oh my God. what is happening. Jonesy doesn't even know about this. I don't know. <sighs> what? What's happening? Am I going to still be alive in July? You Get those rubber bands ready, Jim Lynn. That's all I can say. Oh, yeah. Get them ready. The artist editions can- are actually really nice because they take that artist page and kind of almost to like the real size. Yeah. You can experience what those pencils actually really look like on the on the paper. And it's really cool because it's not just... Like Sin City, for example, it's not just you're reading Sin City and it's in black and white. Like the artist editions are almost taking the, 
you know, if you, if they shaded in a portion of the the page, for example, with a Sharpie marker, I don't know what artistic tools are, but like a Sharpie marker, it's not going to be a completely one-tone black surface. There's going to be like darker blacks in areas and lighter blacks. It's going to come across as all black in the, on the printed comic, but that's how the artist, artist editions look, and it's really awesome to see all that, all the um, uh, non-imperfections uh, before. And I know the... Uh, the Hellboy Artist Edition is coming out soon, and I've been hawking Amazon. If this were 98, I would say I'm sprung for this Hellboy Artist <laughs> Edition. But it's not available for pre-order yet, but they were just... Mike uh, Mike Mignola's website was just having... You, you could pre-order it from some comic shop out in California, and Mike would sign it and ship it to you or something crazy like that. Wow. That's so incredible. It's going to be available for pre-order very soon, and I just might have to throw that on the credit card. You know what I mean? I do know what you just mean. Pay, I'll just pay for it for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. You know, speaking of that a rift, a new bag of uh, socks. <laughs> <laughs> I think pack now rubber I bands think, only thirty cents. I think now we finally have come to the the reasoning why Jonesy wears those two pairs is that he'll, he'll always have a pair <laughs> that he can pair. use. <laughs> you know, That's, when he's by himself, he doesn't need a backpack. No, he doesn't really. He's got them on his feet at all times. Um, Echo Rift, you know, a pop culture podcast (laughs) by Don Garvey and MCon that uh, are friends of ours. It finally happened recently. Mm. Uh, One Jonesy Loves Beer finally was a guest host for real. Not some the comic book shop guest appearance that he didn't tell anybody about. Tried not to make a stink of... (laughs) You were on there, which talking is strange about, um, for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when there's an opportunity to talk about something that you're involved with, I will yak it up. You will drop trow and stuff it down our throats. <laughs> uh, you talked to Invincible Volume One on that podcast. It was great. Great I episode. Did. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was. Uh, the numbers came in. It's already the least downloaded episode in their catalog. Already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it was a great episode, and I thank those guys for having me on, especially uh, Invincible, one of my favorite topics to chat about. You got another episode uh, coming out of the uh, pipe for the Unfortunately, it's going to be a real yawn fest. Uh-oh. It's all about me. Oh, jeez. So. And I don't even ham it up. I'm, I'm quite docile during the whole hmm. experience. Hmm. Interesting. Can't it's going to be, so it's a different a different kind of Jonesy on Echo Rift. This is the real one. The one yeah. we don't see ever. <laughs> I'm a snake, guys. I shed my skin. <laughs> uh, inside joke, when I offhandedly said, quote, <laughs> regarding Jonesy, guy's a snake. And Jonesy was, it was that scene in The Simpsons where Ralph's heart breaks and they replay <laughs> it and they freeze frame it. I was ensorcelled by it. It might have been 10 years ago and it, I'll never, it'll never leave my waking consciousness. <laughs> Oh, great show. show. Maybe the Echo Rift guys will be at Paper Keg Meetup 3 yeah. in July at Bar. I will need somebody to walk me through Fishtown. Yeah, under that uh, under that old rusty bridge right outside of the Bar yeah. I mean, that is something you don't want to be walking under in the nighttime. I might have to three-sock it. You it's, know like, what I'm it's like Sin, Sin City over there. It Sin, is. It's based Sin, in City. Someone named Goldie approaches me. I will not waver. In having relations, or mm, yeah, what do you want to clarify on that one? No, no, I don't. No, thanks. <laughs> I can't wait for the meetup. If I can be honest, it's gonna with be you. tons of fun. It's gonna be great. I think you know, 
I think it's going to be absolutely fantastic. Maybe I could find somebody to start getting me drinks the second half of the night because I, I get so discouraged by lines at bars. Right. You know, I'll make, have a house full of Canadians that will be happy to oblige you. That, that paper keg showdown. It's going to be a great mm. night, though. It's going to be a real great night. July 19th? July is that what the date is? July 19th. July 19th. We'll be there. No cover. I don't know if it's true, but I'm saying it. No <laughs> cover. Jonesy facts. Jonesy facts. Uh, we'll see everybody there, and we'll see everybody next week. Good night. happening in July that I'm not up with. I couldn't even get a group text about. What's going on with that? I don't know. Am I that far out of the loop? Somebody's birthday. I didn't actually die. I mean, die in Georgia, you know. It's yeah. Reminds me I have to text somebody. Okay. It's their birthday today. Yeah, it is someone, someone very important's birthday in July. Mark Farrington. Someone more important than <laughs> the deceased Mark Farrington. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to have the uh, third annual Mark's 30th birthday party. Third annual? Third annual 30th birthday party. His uh, his wedding is coming up, isn't it? I think it's in the fall. Oh, my gosh. October. I mean, he's dead. His yeah, wedding well, would yeah. have yeah, happened. Yeah, I mean, it's post-mortem wedding. Ooh. It's going to be one of the Ooh. creepier weddings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But he's got a great embalming guy, so, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed. We'll talk about it off air, Jonesy. The big, uh, okay. big, I mean, there's Maybe. some, there's something even bigger coming. How many episodes away? Should I check the book club schedule? My gosh. We haven't started the reading The biggest two-parter we've ever done? Is that what you're saying? Wow. Wow. That was more info that's ever been divulged about that, uh, those two episodes Ooh. coming up here. Let me rein it in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this is why we didn't. Include you on the text this is about. We, yeah, we're <laughs> <laughs> I just hit my face on the mic. It's worth it. So, what else? Uh, what else is happening this week? Read anything good? Watch anything good? Hmm. I saw um, a lot of great stuff. Can I tell you what I watched this weekend? Please. Two things I watched. Because I was down here in my basement, I brought my glassware down. And this old, bottle, this old bottle of Chivas Regal I had. I haven't had Chivas since the night before my wedding. Brought it down. And uh, I watched free on Amazon Prime. Fr- Friday night, Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Saturday night. Mm. Saturday <sighs> night, Jack Reacher. The biggest double feature on the planet right now. That is quite a two-parter. Jack Reacher. I was so impressed. Jack Reacher, man. Like Tom's haircut in the movie. Like everything about Jack Reacher. His leather jacket that he wears. Mm-hmm. His he, he wears his like long johns. 
as yeah. shirts. Yeah. God, he's just like he's he's a working he's an everyman. He he blended right in in Pittsburgh. I mean, he was just. God. I mean, that's one of those movies. If I were ever to meet, I mean, God, I can barely even talk about it. But ever to meet Tom, <laughs> your hand in person, Jack Reacher is one of those movies where I would say, you know, after Vanilla Sky, Last Samurai, Minority mm, Report, Mission Impossible Three, Collateral, Oblivion. I would say, God, Tom, thank you for Jack Reacher. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you. I do hope they continue because I don't know what the box office was on that, but I really hope they continue to make Jack Reacher novels. Oh yeah, God, Tom. I mean, it was just it was just a cool concept. I mean, the novels might be that cool too. I don't know, but (sighs) you okay, Dale? Highly recommended. If you guys haven't seen it and you fell for the the uh, the flatlined marketing of Jack Reacher. Dud Yeah, marketing. it was. Dud marketing. Dud. I actually thought uh, Edge of Tomorrow's marketing was kind of subpar, too. Like, I didn't have actually any interest um, over any of his other movies to see it. Like, yeah, Tom Cruise's action good? movie, uh, like, sci-fi, like, wearing this goofy robot suit. Yeah, I saw it. It was great. Fantastic. Yeah, th- th- word of mouth is the only thing, actually, that's going to, that I, makes me really want to see the movie, because I saw the trailer, I, th- I guess, before X-Men. Mm-hmm. And even that was just okay, and that was the two-minute trailer, I think. Yeah, I mean, it is it's it is essentially Groundhog Day with Tom Cruise in a sci-fi setting. But the way they do it is, 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 very, is very well. I mean, even his character in the beginning is, is, a, is a douche. I mean, he... Hmm. It's not really a spoiler, but, like, the beginning... He's kind of like military PR... So he's on the TV shows talking about this alien invasion, you know, how they're doing against it. And the general who was the father from 28 Days Later, um, you know, he gets the virus in his eye. Remember that guy? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, He sends Tom to the front lines and Tom Cruise is like freaking out. And as he's leaving... He t- talks to the general. He's like, you know, I could easily just turn this PR against you. I could tell the press. I could tell everyone in the world, you know, what you're really doing. And then so it just shows you right, right in the beginning of the movie that this isn't like Tom Cruise hero. This is Tom Cruise a-hole that you want to punch in the mouth. And it I thought... to learn a lesson. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought that was a really cool change of pace. But I mean the... Like was, Nathan Algren has <laughs> journey... Not, not it's too soon, Jonesy. Too soon. <laughs> I haven't had any vodka yet for me oh, to just man. pop that in into my TV and my brain. That scene in the rain. Mm. You should probably Gosh. pour it right. right I now. should. Watch. I'll just pour it right down my gullet and and watch Last Samurai in glorious HD. We should mm. all just drink real quick. I am beset pop. by the ironies of my life, Algren. I mean, while he's just sitting there drinking. Help us and save us, please. I must destroy another tribal leader. <laughs> the only task, it seems, I am good for in this life. God, what a movie. What a movie. He yeah. talked about I'm that. i up that soundtrack. Uh, he, he talked about it? Spoilers. He talked about it very briefly in uh, the Nerdist <laughs> podcast. Gosh. <laughs> he talked about no, how never hear it. he did a premiere in Japan 
in a, an ancient castle. He did the world premiere for the movie in an ancient Japanese castle. Really? Yeah. You know what I? You know what I miss? Um, I come back to Vanilla Sky, probably top favorite movie of all time, next to Last Samurai. But um, that DVD had great bonus features, and it <laughs> showed him, Penelope Cruz, and Cameron Crowe. There was like a mini documentary of them going on tour promoting the movie, and it was this awesome. I think Cameron Crowe even filmed it, which is like this handy cam that they had, and it was like this great personal window into their lives while promoting the movie and while he was falling in love with Penelope Cruz at that time. Wow. Um, so you could see them like this sounds really goofy and I'm like Stan for I'm Tom wrapped. Cruise, but um, they showed Tom like at a party with friends and Penelope was there and they show them like dancing, you know, after some, a long night of drinking, it was like super rare, uh, window into their lives. And it was great. And you could see just how they promote films and stuff. And like the director's commentary, I really miss, you know, you don't get that anymore. I can see both of you looking at a letter that just came in (laughs) with bated breath. Well, anyway, for those that are listening, you should, I miss DVDs like vanilla sky on top of that the dvd audio track that would replay was radiohead from that soundtrack nice what a what is going to happen with special features in the world of digital i think you can get i think you can get them if you buy it on itunes it's like a separate file or something hmm. I don't know. yeah I, we have um the you know the digital copy of frozen through amazon and there's like after the movie's over, there's like an extra hour of movie left. That's all special features, but it's not like you can pick and choose. You just got to power through an hour worth of. We always stop it after you know, after the movie's over. But mm-hmm. oh, I I just watched uh, when we got home tonight. I just watched How to Train Your Dragon, the first one. Great, love that movie. I, I wanted the last half hour of the movie. I wanted to cry the whole time. It was beautiful. It was a lot, I, a lot more than I ever gave it credit for. Underrated. Yeah, it really was. Underrated. God. It's like the real heroes of movies about dragons. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, the kid gets dragged through, you know, when he's just a kid. His dad hates him. Mm-hmm. A lot. There was like a Oof. subtext. I think that got picked up that people talked about how that was like um, analogous. I think that's the word to you know, a young team that was well, hasn't come out to their parents yet. How that oh. character, mm. you know, their parents wouldn't accept them, but they wanted to be them, Jeez. which I guess could be similar to, you know, straight kids, but that that storyline, like I picked up on when I watched it, I thought it was a great movie. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I haven't seen it. I'm going to have to watch it. Although it's, the, the trailer really for the second one, I felt like was way too long. I think it felt like a four-minute trailer, and it gave away a lot of the second movie. I saw like a super quick teaser trailer on demand today, but it, mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't realize it was out this weekend. We gonna read this letter that uh, Dragon yeah. Frost sent in. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was just. I was refreshing like a madman. I'll read it since we're still live on air. Uh, big nerdist apologist, friend of the show. Oh. <laughs> At Dragonfro. <laughs> yeah, I want to I I hear it now. I, I, I talked over your Nerdist intro, and I wanted you to elaborate, but maybe I missed my chance. Blah, blah, troll, troll, Tom is great. Take off your shawl, Dale. Cover your face, Jonesy. People are trying to sleep. Slim and I, <laughs> Slim and I will be the last ones at, without an X, Xbox One. 
You see that Alex Ross cover for Jerry Duggan's Hawk? Clean up aisle pants. <laughs> no. that, that's Zola What a turn of phrase that Dragon Fro has. I didn't see that Alex Ross cover. I'm going to look for it right now. Intern, Google can it. you pull up the... Uh, so things? wait, did he uh, um, talk about Nerdist on Twitter and he tried to defend it? Or did he do it in the email? Yeah, after my... After our Your tweet storm. Off, after my tweet storm, he's like, well, you know, these guys are all friends and they, they, they're all Chuckle in the hot. same room together. I'm like, yeah. I'm just like, Dragonfro, come on, man. Don't make excuses. Let, a, let him have it. You had, just let Dale have this moment. <laughs> you had one of the funniest tweets um, in that discussion about Kevin Smith. And I wanted to, I think I, I think I popped through my iPad when I was faving that one. Because <laughs> I've never listened to his podcast. Yeah, we, yeah. during my tweet storm, uh, uh, Tom Rank, and I forget what his a Twitter the, name is, but the movie freak or I think something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the movie freak or that movie freak. But he asked me if I ever listened to a Kevin Smith podcast because the interviews, while can be good, you know, they can be not good too. And I was like, I the only thing I picture Kevin Smith ever doing, even with if Tom Cruise was in the room with him, he would just talk about brag about how fat he is and how much weed he smokes in on a day-to-day basis. That's the only thing I picture Kevin Smith ever doing for any kind of show. And he's like, you're not far off from it. So I'm like, oh, yeah, then there he, you go. He's, oh, yeah, that okay. Alex Ross cover is Marvel masterpiece quality. Okay, I need to stop both of you and recite one of the most incredible tweets by Dale A. <laughs> and it starts, reminds me of that old skin flick taboo. <laughs> Probably looks like a big old mouthy centipede with nerdist employees just flopping over each other. Dale, I laughed out loud during breakfast while reading that tweet. Can I tell you? Hashtag the Maybe fl- your best work. Hashtag the flap real quick, all right? 14, 15 years old. I maybe come across some VHS uh, contraband. This is happening. You know, I see a trailer for Taboo <laughs> when there's literally like... 16 to 20 people mouthily uh, mouthy style mouthy styling each other in one big circle I mean it was and that's the only thing I can picture ever since I'm 15 every time I listen to the Nerdist podcast that's what I picture like I picture that circle on one side of a table and Tom Cruise on the other side of the table <laughs> I picture uh, Joss Whedon on the other side of the table, just staring. Joss Whedon, just staring at all these nurse employees, just munging. <laughs> okay. I don't even know. I don't even know. Yeah, that, I think, half. I mean, half of that. I think half. Honestly, half of the reason why I really dislike that is because it's so popular. I feel like people eat that stuff up, and they think it's like the best way to do an interview but yeah, that stuff is like it's almost unlistenable to me because everybody listening like they think they they're jumping in and they're talking or they're talking over joss whedon too and getting in like how many references how many times they can can they skew a joke and make it funnier and funnier with the, about the same topic and it's, it's just like just let the man talk it's like um for those that grew up in philadelphia it's like the mmr uh president steve show I have oh, groups man. of friends that would literally get on their knees and be those hosts. 
But that that zoo zoo morning zoo format, I I wanted to strangle myself and rather listen to that stuff. And I think Nerdist is kind of that like morning zoo type atmosphere where they're all buddies, they're all BFFs, they're all they all know the reason they're there, and they're just going to eat each other up. And I'm sorry, but the Nerdist is Chris Hardwick. When when you have Tom Cruise and you have an hour to do an interview with Tom Cruise or Joss Whedon, you don't bring in the whole crew and start you know diving headfirst into each other's privates while the like <laughs> while Joss Whedon is trying to give a, an interview and and the Nerdist is like they're one of the few that can get that caliber. And and maybe and maybe ask the kind of questions that I would like to hear them ask, mm-hmm. but then they start. You know, I'm trying to think of another yet another metaphor. <laughs> but it's but but you're right. It's like morning zoo, and then they all start talking over each other, and 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 they like they're trying to best each other's impression of the person across the table, or mm-hmm. they're trying to best each other's like uh, joke about the the uh, the time frame that they're bringing up and. Like, oh, I'm wearing uh, polka dot pants. Yeah, yeah, and you were wearing, I got uh, bell bottoms on, and we're all walking around. And it's just like we're way off course now because Tom Cruise was talking about risky business in 1981. Yeah. It's like they worried that if there's not enough ha-has, then people are just going to tune out. But I also wonder if he brings along his gaggle of, of friends. Of, <sighs> I mean, he's a busy guy. I don't know how he has time to prep for these interviews to begin with. And if I were him, I'd be like, you know, maybe you and Jonesy can come with me because I only had an hour to prep for this interview with Tom Cruise, and if you guys were there, <laughs> yeah. it's really going to help out if there's any dead air. And that's maybe that's maybe case. that's what their fear is too, like any kind of dead air, because you know they don't edit that thing. Those interviews are like no, two and a half hours, and you get you know the worst kind of audio possible. They throw that recorder in the middle of a desk. Mm-hmm. And, and they and pick four up minutes of can you close the door? Hey, can you close the door? <laughs> hey, can you close the door? When you walk by, can you close the door? There was one episode, and it might have been with uh, Schwarzenegger, and he was going into like a really interesting point that you could tell would have like unfurled into some great stuff. And they stopped a joke about his accent like four times in a row, God. and he just stopped talking about it. So I was like, well, I want to hear what he had to say. And I just threw the phone out the window <laughs> into traffic. I'd had enough. <laughs> One of your last times with that phone, I remember. Yeah, it was a, t- it was a long day. <sighs> My leg just hurting. Mm-hmm. Your phantom leg pain. Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. It's like it was that restless leg syndrome that yeah. made up, made up disease. It's fake. It's like that phone vibration against your leg thing. I right. got that. I got that too. Don't don't let them tell you otherwise. God, you got the bug. You got the mosquito trapped in amber. The one that did it to you. <laughs> Life finds a way, Dale. That's right. It all comes back to that. What a show! Oh man, sorry for what the fireside. I can't. I can't wait to be carbon copied in with the nerdist. Comma, Chris yeah, Jim, Hardwick, Jim, comma, Jim Matt Lynn, he's gonna, he's gonna put you on blast. He's gonna reply yeah. you. He's like, I don't know why you, you took an ass on the Nerdist, Dale. CC at Nerdist. CC. Oh, yeah. CC, definitely. Chris Hardwick. CC, Jonah, whatever that dude is with the hat. That dude CC, that Matt hat. Mira. CC, the worst part is Kuma, the Kuma is like a bad guy. What's that? He seems very likable in his persona, in his TV persona, like the Talking Dead. Like, he seems like a very down-to-earth dude, but his show has just grown. Ugh. 
grotesque. V- VP of Talking know. Dead over here. Yeah, like I'm the only one on the planet that's watched Talking Dead. I can't stand that show personally. My wife loves it. I wouldn't be caught dead watching that show. <laughs> or Talked Dead. Get it? I talk wouldn't dead. be caught wouldn't be dead, dead watching that show. I mean, just it just I don't know what it is. It just riles me up hearing these just having two celebrities sitting there talking about the Talking Dead. In a, it's just the scenario just like makes my skin crawl. I don't know why. Like you know who else? Like you're being forced into this position to talk about Talking Dead like we're all best friends, but you're not. I mean, maybe you are, but to me, it just makes me want to gag. You know who else probably wouldn't even go near the Talking Dead? Jack Reacher. <laughs> he wouldn't. He wouldn't want anything to do with that. He wouldn't stand for that BS. No. Uh, great movie. I'm gonna queue it up. It's a great. It's an guys. You got to see Jack Reacher. It's amazing. Netflix. I might. I might need to see it again tonight. 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 Oh. Gotta make it right tonight. Tonight. Oh.